With a bad foot pumped up Because statistics are the best The bad foot pumped up Because you don't need footwear to bet Welcome back to the Barefoot Punter. I'm your host as always, The Mug, your co-host, The Logical One. We take our inspiration from the Barefoot Investor, but instead of giving you investment advice, we're here to give you a bit of betting advice on the 2021 NRL and AFL season. And it's a big welcome back to the program, to The Logical One. Thank you, Mug. And there is a noticeable drop in the average IQ of our podcast this week after the modeler has left the building. He was amazing last week. A lot of great feedback we got from him. And, uh, you know, we're not quite down to the levels of IQ as when Jack Dickens used to be on the show, but um, we did have a bit of a drop-off this week. It was good to uh, good to have him on. And um, and I think it's probably time we say a big welcome. And I know he's up and about this week because it's Origin Week, Logical. A big welcome to the program, to the Pope. This is Christmas Eve, Mug. Christmas Eve. Oh. Sleepless night coming up. For those of us who've grown up in the Sunshine State, this is what we live for. We're the underdog. We're the ones who it's all against us. Rough end of the stick we have in Queensland. Wednesday, three three Wednesdays a year, most exciting time of the year, Mug. I was going to say, mate, you're coming from up in Queensland. You know, you obviously bred up with it, but now you're in the punting sphere and you're quite a serious punter yourself. How do you separate that sort of level of, uh, I guess, Queenslander investment uh, versus, um, you know, getting your rational punting mind on. Can you still find a way to uh, to back New South Wales, even though you're a through-and-through Queenslander? Yeah, I can. Uh, it's, <laughs> of course you can. It's the one event that has some sort of emotional attachment to still, Mug, but the cats won't feed themselves. I've got to worry about the wallet, where the money's coming in. So if New South Wales is the tip, then so be it these days. Practicality uh, but- overrides the heart. Very good, mate. I, I absolutely love it. And uh, what did we see in this uh, weekend's round of footy, boys? Logical. Was there anything that uh, that caught your eye? Yeah, I'm uh, David King. Sorry, um, sorry, Mug. Um, I did something did catch my eye after you last last week. You boldly declared that West Coast, a twenty to one shot, mind you, can't win the flag. Now I've just got to I've just got to put something to you now. West Coast got over the line on the weekend. They have got a very, very soft run home. They're seven and five. They, uh, they, if they can happen to get over Richmond this week, went through, and then the week after, they're probably going to get Kelly Shuey back, Duggan on his way back. They get Kennedy and Oscar Allen back this week. They got some players back in form. Are you still bold enough to say they cannot win the flag? Done the math, logical. Done the math. They will not win enough games to finish in the top four. If they don't finish in the top four, they will not win four games in September zigzagging across the country. So, mate, throw those barbs all you like. West Coast aren't winning this flag. There's no uh, there's no flip-flop in here. See, what calculator were you using? Because I'll tell you what, if, if they can get over these next two weeks, they are a very good shot for top four. Well, so, you've, backed, uh, you've backed them then, have you? You've backed them top four? No, no, I'll just back them top five. <laughs> Each way for pussies. <laughs> no, nah, no, nah, still still happy. Stand by my comments, logical, not flip-flopping uh, uh, on that one. Um, Carlton, boys, what has uh, been a fair bit in the media about Carlton, and uh, I know uh, one uh, long-time listener, uh, one Juppie, is uh, quite upset about their uh, their fate. What do you think's wrong with them, logical? I don't, I don't know. That's, it's just ingrained culture of 20 years of failure, isn't it? Um, I don't know how they solve it. I, they they did make a bad 
decision a few years ago when they appointed Teague very quickly and swiftly off the back of a few wins as a caretaker coach. Whether or not he's a good coach, I don't know, but they did do that a bit swiftly. They, they've, they've, they've got some okay cattle. So, you know, some of these teams take time. I know Carlton have waited a long time, but Melbourne have finally delivered this year after a long time of waiting, and maybe maybe Carlton can do that after, you know, a while and sort of developing. Now, uh, now, boys, we've had a uh, we've had a series of uh, listener questions uh, coming coming this week, and uh, and Pope, I thought I might throw to the, uh, throw this one to you first because the first one comes from um, a guy on Twitter called Haggle, and uh, I think you might be familiar with some of his work. He was actually asking, "Who's the best sports analyst out of the Pope and the logical one?" What would your take on that one be? Well, Mark, I'll put it this way: I. If um, let's use an AFL analogy, that the logical one is Alistair Clarkson, and he's just got little disciples that have floated off everywhere in the coaching industry. Just there's prophecies of Clarkson have gone off and coached their own team. I'm just one of those prophecies. Hopefully, more in your Adam Simpson mold than your Brendan Bolton, but <laughs> that's me. I'm Simpson, and logical one is Al Clarkson. Yes, I thought that might be your response. Uh, very good, and uh. Logical, I know you've grown the Pope up through this whole caper, but uh, how do you see his progress, mate? He's flying this year. Oh, the Pope, he is the Pope. We, we just, we feel blessed to be in his presence. Now, mate, one for you, uh, long-time listener, Richard Drummond, and um, he loves the program. He listens in every week. Um, and I don't know if you want to include this as part of Logical's rant this week, but um, talk to us about 1 to 39. Why is 1-39 to 39 not a good bet for the punters? Yeah, Richard. Uh, I do know Richard, and he made a lot of money on Neil last year for the Brownlow. He's a good, good fella, and um, he does he does be um, into – what's the word I'm looking for? There? Interact. Interact with the show quite a lot. 1-39. Uh, to 39. The reason I don't like 1-39 to 39 is because statistically and mathematically, it's not good value. They – and, and the reason for that would be, say you have a team that's eight-point favourites for the match and their 1-39 to price is $2.50. If they have, if that price is wrong, it, that handicap, say it should be, say there's six players out and that line moves to 26.5, that 1-39 to price is only going to get bigger, not smaller. So there's no edge in backing it. And, and the only edge you could get on that one to thirty nine price is if the, there was going to be super 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 wet, but the total points in that in the in the models that the bookies have, if they have the, the total points low enough, which they generally do, um, then the one to thirty nine price will take into factor that, and there won't be any value, and you and you're better off backing down the total points anyhow because the one to thirty nine is not as safe. So it's very very hard to get an edge on that one to thirty nine. I think the only way you could get that is if you had two teams that so they've both got a line up that you know are not volatile and, and which is and won't win by a lot of points. Very, very hard to actually know that uh, two teams aren't volatile, especially when they're playing against each other. And so they put all that together, it's just just never really the value to, to find that one to 39. And on top of that, as you mentioned a few times, it's just a sick way to watch footy as well, isn't it? Certainly is, and if you're uh, if you're watching that Richmond uh, Essendon game um, on the weekend, and you were a one to thirty nine better on the Tigers, you would have been asking Richmond to slow down 
then you would have been uh, asking them to speed up because Essendon got in front. And then you would have been throwing stuff at the telly saying, slow down, slow down, slow down. Would have been a horrible way to uh, to watch that particular game. Um, that's for sure. And then there was just one, or I, I actually had a question for you, Logic, because one thing that I've really noticed this year through the um, the mailbag.com.au uh, app, which you send through your bets out to the listeners and uh, or out to the subscribers, one of your um, strong suits is your totals betting. And this year, having watched your totals betting for probably seven years now, you are betting more overs this year probably than I've ever seen you. I've probably seen you bet more unders in the past, but this year you're betting a lot of overs. What's all that about? So early on in the season, uh, I thought the total points were adjusted for the new rules and the new style of play that different teams were playing because we had the, the man on the mark rule, which was increasing scoring. But as the season's gone on, for some reason or another, the bookies have just been pricing the totals quite low. And I've been... Uh, sort of sometimes even doubting myself that I'm betting a lot of overs. And what I notice is when I, to, to sort of even justify or confirm that I'm looking at this right, I look at the average total points of all those teams with no, on the matches played this year, with no weather involved. So no rain or no dewy games or no slippery conditions. And what I'm finding is that on average, on the, the historical for the first, say, 10 rounds of the season, the average of the, all the totals might be 170. And the bookies have got them all in for about 164 and a half average. So there's there's average on the there's to, there's there's an edge on the overs, and then I'm just picking out which games I think the edge is on, and then and then and then backing them. And, and that's been consistently like that for about four or five weeks. I've found that the bookies, for some reason or another, they're just they're just betting, they're putting in the totals quite low. Yeah. So so the the bookies are anticipating that winter slowdown. But they're overcompensating, or what's... well, there is that. Yeah, there is that winter slowdown there that that is a factor. But as I said, um, I then only look at games that have got no poor conditions yeah. for the what's coming up. And um, yeah, I, 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 that was one thing that I did consider is that, is that there, there is generally a bit of a winter slowdown. But I don't think we're seeing that from week to week drastically drop off. Yep. Okay. Uh, excellent, mate. Back over to you, Pope. One for you, mate. I've got a, a question here from Graham uh, again, who's been a long-term listener as well. Uh, he's got a couple of other questions, but I'll come back to those in a moment. Pope, he's just wondering. You're sort of betting uh, into first uh, half totals. You're betting into second half totals, and these are these are bets that are going out to uh, the subscribers on the mailbag.com.au through the app, um, direct to your phone, so you can just. Hunt on, you know, just follow the Pope in blindly, 6% plus um, POT this year. So absolutely flying. Mate, what's the what's the rationale there with your um, betting into those totals, uh, the first half and or the second half? And um, and the question was, why aren't we sort of backing more handicap or more, more plus sometimes within that, like, as well as those totals? Yeah, so the first part of the question, Mug, a lot of it comes down to conditions and how the game's currently being played. So early in the year, especially when new rules had come in around six again and um, to a lesser extent, the Sinbins and Sendos, but mainly the six again rule that's been been in for about nine months now, that these games would start really fast. So they'd start off strongly refereeing differently in the first half to the second half, prolific in six agains, and then they'd drop off in the second half, the way it's being interpreted. So really fast game initially, and then fatigue would come in into the second half. So these games were 
over-indexing on points. And another market I liked early in the year was high-scoring half first half, which was the same theory that these games were played differently in the first 40 minutes compared to the second 40 minutes. And subsequently, post-rule changes again with sin binnings and send-offs, some of the refereeing in the second half of games was different post the edict or the crackdown where send-offs and sin binnings were more likely to be happen late in the game in the second half. So that's the angle that we might go down there. So a lot of it's just down to game theory at the moment, how the game's been played and how it's being refereed and interpreted and also a bit of conditions as well that sometimes Drew can come in later in the game compared to early. If day becomes night, it's, it's often two different sets of conditions. So we, we look for angles that way in, in terms of why we're betting into half totals a bit more than match totals sometimes. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. All right, mate. Well, uh, well, thank you for that. Um, good to uh, good to uh, have some of those uh, questions answered for the uh, for the listeners. Um, boys, we better talk some bad beats. What did we see out there this week? We'll go back to you, Pope. What do you got for us? Self indulgent one from me this week, Mug. That oh, yes, we sent out to the subscribers Sunday afternoon. Mm. One last half titles. We went over 22 and a half, 23 and a half first half points in Newcastle with Parramatta game. I think me and Nico followed you in on this one. Yep. And the ultimately was five tries scored, which is 20 points in itself. So we just needed two conversions of those five tries. And admittedly, they were all from the sidelines. They're not easy kicks, but it is still rare for NRL kickers not to go at least at 40% these days. So Bit of a bad beat that we could only get one of those five tries converted in that game. So self-indulgent one, but that was our bad beat of the week in NRL. Yes, that was sickening. Uh, that was uh, a nasty beat for the uh, for the punters for sure. Um, I've got uh, I've got one here. This is actually sent in for the obnoxious one. Now, long-term listeners will will remember the obnoxious one. Uh, and for our NBA fans, they might be across this one, but it was the playoffs round one. And this was in game five of the Lakers game. He was closing out a multi and he needed LeChump, that's um, uh, LeBron James, to get 25 points to close out the multi. Now, keep in mind, it's coming up to the end of the third quarter. The Lakers are getting pumped. He's on 24 points. He just needs one more point in the last quarter. But what do you think LeBron does? He says, boys, I'm feeling a bit tight in the calf. We're losing. I'm just going to keep the powder dry for game six. No more court time for me and no more points and no multi for the obnoxious ones. That's, that's unfortunate. That's, I really feel sorry for the obnoxious one there. <laughs> so that's, that's definitely uh, definitely a bad beat. And uh, Logical, did you have one? Oh, I saw a couple on the weekend. I saw a bit of Twitter noise around one of them. But if you backed Aaron Norton two-plus goals, you'd be feeling very sick with his one-goal five. And I think even if you backed Missy Higgins two plus goals with his one goal six, you'd be probably pretty disappointed. So there's some pretty sick ones there for the uh, the prop hunters. And uh, and also too, um, we were alerted to John Rahm, of course, in the in the golf. I think he he uh, went off somewhere in the vicinity of fourteen twenty dollars maybe before the tournament, and uh, he was odds on. I think coming into the last round, up by four six shots or something, and of course he got COVID. He got uh, Got the old coat hanger and said, "Boy, you're out of there." So uh, maybe that was a that was a tough one for the uh, for the punters as well. All right, logical. Are you ready to do some games? Yes, sure am. 
Okay, logical first game that we're speaking about here. We've got Port Adelaide hosting Geelong at the Adelaide Oval and Thursday night footy is back and we're happy about that. Port are $1.77 here, Geelong $2.10, making that line three and a half. What are we seeing here? You're dead right about Thursday night footy. That's going to be a great finish, hopefully, end to lockdown in Victoria. Great way to finish it. I think that uh, Port are still just not quite back to their best. They haven't quite got their best team in. They haven't been playing as well as I think they were early on the season, even late last year. And I think Geelong with the inclusions of Guthrie, Duncan, and I think Dangerfield's even a sneaky little chance to come into this game. I think that I've, with all those inclusions and the way Geelong are going, I quite like them here and I'll, I'll be having a little bit of a bet on Geelong. Yeah, okay, good. Okay, excellent. And you'll just take the head-to-head there, Logical, or do you, do you bother with those couple of points or or you just um, stay, take the straight out head-to-head? Um, depends. I'll probably – depends where I bet. If I go late on Betfair, I'll be probably going the head-to-head, but sometimes there might not be liquidity early enough in the week to take the head-to-head with Betfair, and some of the bookies don't quite give you that value on the head-to-head that you can get, that, that you should get for, say, a three-and-a-half and a, a four-and-a-half line. So if so, I'll be taking the line earlier on the week. And, um, and, and, and just on that one, I know you like sort of picking off some margins at times as well. Um, we saw Frio uh, put some points on Port Adelaide uh, in a row there the other night. Is that something that you would consider, a little 15 and a half or 24-and-a-half? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay, good. I didn't have a bet in that game. Um it is, um, I mean, they're going to have some good cavalry coming back, aren't they, the Cats? And um, and if Dangerfield comes in, that's huge. I would think it would be a little bit, uh, it's a tough game, I know that, but I would think it would be a bit strange if they bought Dangerfield. Why not just give him uh, give him that one off? But we'll see what happens. Uh, definitely looking forward to the game. Can't wait for Thursday night footy. Yeah, the thing is with Dangerfield being the, the, the gun midfielder, he is. he's so good, though, that if he's, if he's not quite fit enough, you can play him up forward, he's still super dangerous. Yeah, that's true. All right, good, mate. Well, there's one for the listeners anyway. Saturday afternoon, we're back over to the West. Fremantle are hosting Gold Coast. And, um, well, it's basically moved into a pick here. And um, that's been a big move, logical, because uh, we had 11 and a half earlier in the week into pick. Uh, A lot of that's on the back of Rao. I'm actually really surprised um, with this market that it opened up so big. I've taken a bit of of Gold Coast myself. we always knew those players were going to go out of, of Freo, but yet it almost felt like the market wasn't reacting that, reacting to that. What do you see here? Yeah, it was actually 13 and a half into the uh, picking, which is a dollar ninety-two each side for those listeners that don't know that. Um, it's the mailbag.com.au market mover of the week. I think that some of the bookies that put this up weren't quite sure or cried across a number of players that were going to be missing for Freo and add that to the fact that Gold Coast get Raoul back in, but they get, they're going to lose Fife, they're going to lose Cox, they probably lose Darcy. Wilson suspension, I don't think people are aware across, and Lowe's going to miss as well. So that's a huge amount of outs for Frio. And, and good players, not just, really, just run-of-the-mill players, good good players, and Fife, you know, you've heard me speak about the man with the funny haircut for a while. I mean, Frio without Fife is he's so important to that team. Yeah, you're right. He's one of the most important in the league. And and if you look at uh, the expected scores last week of Frio versus Dogs, Frio should have lost that game 
on expected scores by 51. And it's well documented, Norton's kicking, but they were very easy shots and they could have really got beaten up by the dogs last week. So that probably flattered them, that result. And 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 I think that the um, Gold Coast have got a pretty good history against Freo. They've done pretty well against them. Um, it's interesting that they're going to play Real against Freo back over at Subi. I know it's, it's a, you know, it is a different game, but that is where he did his knee last time, and you know, there's no need to rush him back. But you know, hopefully he's going to be okay. Maybe uh, confront the it. confront the demons head on. Confront the demons, yeah. And um, but it, even though that that game's moved all the way into a uh, dollar um, ninety two each side, I'm still quite keen on Gold Coast and, and would back them at the dollar ninety two. I was yeah. hoping this show would become on before that move had come as far as it has, but still would be keen at that price. Yeah, cool. And uh, I guess just the narrative around Raul as well, on the news of him playing, he shifted from around about $20 into eights um, for the rising star. Are you wearing any of that, Logical? Well, if he can play as well as he did a few years ago, then there's no reason he couldn't win the rising star off the back of, you know, like 10 or 12, 10 or 11 games to go for the rest of the season. He nearly won the rising star playing three games last year. So if, if he can play as well as he has then this year, then he could definitely win it. Yep. Okay. Excellent. And uh, still over at Optus Stadium, the last game that we wanted to talk about uh, this evening, Logical, is West Coast hosting Richmond. This is Sunday night for us. And um, so we've got footy Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday uh, this week, which is absolutely awesome. But coming back to this one, West Coast is hosting Richmond. West Coast two twenty five, Richmond dollar sixty five. That line is six and a half. Logical. Did you see enough from the Tigers to think that they're going to dispatch West Coast easily, or were you happy enough with West Coast spirit um, with a lot of players missing that you can be on West Coast? Well, the Coasters will get a couple back as well. I'll get Kenzie and Oscar Allen back, and they, you know, I don't think Liam Ryan's going to miss. He did go off with a little bit of a strain on the weekend, but they were they were pretty decent against against Carlton, and they're a very different side at home. It's a, it's a real danger game, this one for Richmond. I know you said it's a Sunday night game. That, this game was actually brought forward due to COVID scenarios and so that Richmond could stay over there and, and play this game and, and get it out of the way while, while the going was good. Um, the analysis of the game, I probably wouldn't have a bet at this price. Richmond were on the ropes against Essendon, and I know we talk about goal-kicking momentum, but holding the ball decision momentum as well. Like if, if Grimes had been done for holding the ball, it might have been a different scenario in that game. And what was your and, uh, what was your take on that one, Logical? I was having a bit of a chat with um, with someone on Twitter about that one. They thought that that was play on the correct decision. I tend to think that once you put your arms up in the air, you're almost giving away your priority. What's what's your take on that one? Yeah, I thought it was holding the ball. Yeah. And there was, there was a, you know, there was in front of goal though. That's the thing. They're never the umpires hardly ever going to play that. And yeah. whether whether it was or wasn't, if it was paid, they, Essendon are going to go nine points up, and it's going to be a totally different game. The Tigers, though, from there were amazing. The way they blew away Essendon late in that quarter was 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 really impressive stuff. I, yeah, as I said, West Coast at home. I, I don't think I'm going to be backing against them now that. That market's moved a little bit out to five and a half, and the price looks about right to me. Yeah, okay. Um, I want to be with – I've taken a bit of the six and a half of, of West Coast. I actually think that, that line is a bit high at the moment, and I think that uh, we'll get a bit of movement there. I actually want to back the Tigers. 
So I'll be waiting for movement and then uh, looking to get with the Tigers if uh, if we can get the significant move there. But um, it sounds like nothing for you at this point. So you're back to West Coast thinking it's going to come in? Yep. Okay. Not because you think West Coast do it any good? Correct. Okay. I just wanted to confirm that. And on that, Mug, uh, I've, we've spoken about this a couple of times this year. Who do you think is the best rated team in the comp at the moment and who do you think is the second best? Uh, I think I, I think Melbourne uh, is is now the clear um, best team in the comp. And if I just go to my numbers here, and then I've got Western Bulldogs, um, sort of five points behind them, Cats um, just behind them, and Brisbane about the same. Like I, I've literally got Cats, Brisbane, Richmond sitting very similar. Um, Western Bulldogs just in front of that group, and and Melbourne about five six points uh, in front. So, yeah, so so the demons into the doggies, yeah. And for me, I'm, I think the, the demons are just slightly ahead. And I, I, I rate Geelong second best in the comp at the moment. Yeah, and, right. Okay. But it is a very, very even comp and um, very wide open. Yeah, excellent. Okay, mate. Well, uh, good chat on AFL. Now it's time to talk some NRL with the Pope. All right. Now on to NRL. And this week we have got State of Origin into NRL Round 14. It's a massive, massive week in NRL. And the Marga mentioned earlier on, we're going from Thursday to Monday for football. We're actually going Wednesday through to Monday, NRL and AFL. State of Origin, game one, it moves up to Townsville. As, a fair, as far as I'm aware, Pope, that's the first ever State of Origin game in Townsville. How do you see this game? Queensland takes another game off Victoria. Logical one, another, another event moving up to... Townsville and Tent City, it's become. They haven't had enough accommodation up there and they've had to erect another 200 tents to accommodate everyone migrating up north. So big events up in the north of Queensland. Um, to the game itself, as subscribers would know, I like New South Wales. I'm, I'm pretty strong on them. The price is starting to move, but I think their price is really attractive most this week and, and it's starting to go now. But um, while it being a partisan Queensland crowd, up there, the, the Townsville conditions itself will actually suit New South Wales, I think. They've got a lot of football, so to speak, in them. That, that back line looks immense. That's got a lot of attacking capability if you go through that team. That's If they get 50% of the ball or around about, if they, can hold, if they can hold their own up front, they're going to have too much strike for Queensland for me. And the Queensland team looks pretty good on paper, but there is some injury clouds. Cam Munster and Harry Grant, who are probably the two best players, haven't played in five weeks. There's a couple of other guys who've only played once or so in a month. Like that, it's going to matter come the back end of the game in stifling conditions up in Townsville. So I think New South Wales just look fitter. They look better. They're in form. I'd, be, I'd love the four and a half. We're just starting to move. And there'll be more to come that I think we'll be looking at some margins there too, 13 plus and the like. I, I really like New South Wales and I haven't shifted over the last week or so either. Yeah, I know that uh, you and the modeler both like New South Wales last week. It was three and a half out to four and a half plus five and a half now. I've just got the live feed through from the modeler as well. His model was inputted into the teams and he's, he makes that 10 point favourites to New South Wales. I don't, well, I don't, know, much, I don't know much about um, NRL, but I just want to know what team does Tommy Turbo play for and I want to be on them. Because if he's worth 10 points, then I'm all in New South Wales. Yeah, they've got the two most informed players in the game on their team, Cleary and Trevojevic. You've then talked to Desco, who's been the best player in 
in three years. They look a really good team to me. And also, if you talk to motivation, which shouldn't be a conversation origin, but game two is in Suncorp as well. New South Wales don't want to be going to Suncorp 1-0 down. So it's high incentives to go up to Townsville and win if you needed any additional incentive to do so. So, yeah, I'd, a lot of factors tying into that New South Wales. I, I really like them. As I say, that if they can hold their own early with Queensland probably coming out strongly, I think they're going to have too much in the back end when match fitness is going to be lacking for Queensland, I think. Now, I know that traditionally the totals have been super, super low in origin. I think some of these totals, I think, have gone off in the 20s in the past that I've seen. And this year, it's well documented on the show that there's a lot more scoring. and and I would assume that they're probably not going to be strict on the head overall. I don't know whether you've heard anything or got any some feelings on that, which would have a big influence on the total. Um, what, how do you see that working? It's a big number. They've probably started to move away subtly from their interpretation the last couple of weeks, which I probably think is a bit of a view to origin. They didn't want their showpiece to be dictated by officiating. They want the players to decide, and I think that's crept into how it's being interpreted in the last couple of weeks. So I think we're going to see a more liberal interpretation and not be dominated by penalties and sin bins. And as a result, I think the 42 and a half is really big. I can only still be on the unders here. You're asking for eight tries pretty much to go over that 42 and a half, and that's too many for me in an origin game. I, I think the unders is the play here. And I'll probably have an SGM related to that that makes that an attractive offering that will go out to the subscribers relating to the unders and some margins with, with that negative correlation making a pretty juicy price. I think it's yeah. too big. Yeah, you would think that from the uh, state of origins historically, the referees are always a lot more lenient. So you couldn't see that changing here. Yeah, even even if one team's dominating and, and scoring, it's still it's still a lot of tries, a lot of points needed for that to cover 42 and a half. It, if you go any period of time without points, it's very hard to get that number in an origin game. Yeah, I can only be on the unders, and I'm pretty confident in saying that. And and if you don't mind, Logic, I'll jump in here. Humidity, Pope, does that play into um, the totals up there? And I don't know the conditions that well up in the north Queensland, but are we expecting slippery, humid conditions up there? And, and do you think that plays a part? Yeah, it's a good call, Mug. It's, it's what they you term a fast deck. So it is conducive to attacking football, but especially in late in games, second half, that, that slipperiness heightens fatigue too in those conditions, makes it makes it harder to attack as well as defend, which limits the amount of points late in games. So at some point you'd think scoring stagnants, even if it's even if it's a pretty attacking game early, that, that would drop off. So yeah, it's it's far more upside in betting the unders than the overs at 42 and a half. Now uh, Pope, we touched on Tommy Turbo before and I know that he normally plays uh, is it fullback on a weekly basis? Is he going to be playing fullback this week? Have they named him in a position? And and do you think that he'll play in the name position if he's named? No, he's been named at centres. Tedesco's got fullback logical one, and he'll play centres. Turbo, he's played there before at Origin with very with pretty successfully. He scored a hat trick in Perth a couple of years ago, so he's competent in that position. He's one of the better players in the game. So is Teddy. So fitting him in. Makes sense. Both both players into the team. There's a bit of narrative around playing players out of position at Origin as a negative, but when you've got an elite player like that, you need to get him in the team. And I don't think he'll have any issues at, at centre. It's 
different defending in the line to at fullback, but I think he's good enough to adapt. And his attacking prowess is a big, a big plus for New South Wales. So he'll play centres, and I think he'll hold the hold 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 his own in the position as well. Okay, and these are loaded questions because I'm looking here at the player of the match market. But if Tommy was playing fullback versus playing in the centres, what what effect would that have on his price for the men on the map? He'd be closer to that Tedesco price at seven dollars, six dollars. That's that's how big it's really hard to have a match defining influence in the centres in origin in terms of point output, even how much you're going to get the ball. It's it's very difficult. So I think his unders in his current at seventeen dollars, fifteen dollars, it's it's too short. And it's because he's Tommy Turbo is that price. But if he was playing fullback, he'd be around the five to one, six to one price. Okay, yeah. So I'm just looking at the, the top sport market here where we've got Cleary five dollars, Tedesco six fifty, Munster eight, Cherry Evans thirteen, Harry Grant thirteen, and Tommy Turbo thirteen. Are you seeing anything that you like on top of the market or within the market on this player of the match? Yeah, I'll put up a fifty to one shot or a forty to one shot here, the logical one. Brian Tottle at a big price. The, the narrative around man the match is you've probably got to be visible. So visibility, similar to your Norm Smith, play, plays a part in these things. He's an immense ball carrier. So he, he'll run for 250, 300 metres. He'll be in the game a lot, coming out of trouble. Give him one or two trials on a wing. That's a real chance of happening. And with his ball running capability, it, it's a big price. Wingers traditionally aren't man the match winners, but... He's a bit of a different case and how much he's going to be running the ball, he's going to be in the game a fair bit. Throw a trial to him, I think he's really attractive at that big price. If that doesn't get you excited, I don't know what does. I just I can't wait for Wednesday night already. Thinking of a 50 to 1 shot for man, player of the match, getting on New South Wales at the minus five and a half. Also, just, just on that too, that New South Wales, would you be looking at the, the, the 13 plus market? Yeah, I would. I'd probably like to be doing it soon. I think that five and a half might get up towards six, which will obviously shorten that 13 plus price. So I think now's about the time at two to one, it is roughly around the $3 mark. Let's get on now at the $3, I think, before that sort of gets towards your seven to four or, or 275 and becomes a bit less attractive. So now's about the time, I think, that we want to be want to be betting into that about $3. Yep, yep. And, and uh, in the same game, Multi, would you... Uh... Would you be putting, uh, oh, unfortunately, we don't have player of the match at the, the same game, multi story. That's that's a bit of a denying, but uh, I was thinking that we could have put Toa into uh, New South Wales 13 plus. What what we will do, though, logical one, is we'll, we will go New South Wales 13 plus into under 42.5 total match points as the same game multi. Just a nice little two-legger, pretty ju- juicy odds with that negative correlation there. So we will be doing that, that uh, we'll tip up to the subscribers as well. Hey, hey Pope. Question for you: How does um, are you concerned at all about um, Jerome Luai um, coming in? Because I think it's his first. I know he's. I know he's obviously got the pairing with Cleary at, at Penrith, but it's his first go at Origin. How do you feel about him coming up against the hungry Queensland pack? And um, what's your confidence level in him being able to get it done? Another good question from you, Mug. This is this is. Impressive. I've been doing my I've been doing my research on the uh, on. I'm quite excited about the Origin coming up myself, and um, I can't wait for the bets uh, to have a bet tomorrow night on some of the stuff that you're talking about, mate. So I've been doing my research. Um, how do you feel about that, anyway? 
He'll be targeted defensively. It's probably the area of the game that they will look to go after him, that he can be somewhat of a defensive liability. So Queensland will send their big forwards at him and that also will have the effect of tiring him out and potentially make him less effective in attack. But what New South Wales have done is gone with the New South Wales, sorry, a Penrith-heavy contingent. So in terms of structures, it seems like it's going to be very heavily towards Penrith. Cleary's going to be the main man going to play similar how he will at Penrith, which will make Lua feel comfortable. And I actually think he's a man of the match. Bet at $17 or so. I think that the side of the field he plays on, he can unlock the key. He's got Mitchell, Fox, Adokar and Tedesco sweeping around. I think he's got the makings of a big game at an attractive price there. I think he'll be fine. And part of that is the club contingent that's been picked for, for New South Wales for his Penrith club side, I think he'll be fine in that environment. And he's got guys around him, strong defenders that will look after him defensively in the rep arena. So I think he'll be okay. And Pope, uh, just on other exotics, is there anything else that stands out to you? I know you mentioned that the total points you thought they were a little bit too high. So that might be a struggle to find some value into any time try score. But have you seen anything else that you like? I will give you a first try score at any time. It's the same man here. Uh, logical one, Tarek Sims at 25 to 1 for first try scorer. And I think he's also paying around $5 for any time. So yes. he's he's a guy to that left side centric attack that I think they'll operate in. That's their, that's their strong side and probably Queensland's weakness in defence. And he's he's the back rower there. So Latrell, Mitchell, Adokar, Tedesco getting a lot of attention. Sims is the back row playing there, and it might just be a little trick play that goes to him with defensive focus elsewhere, and he sneaks over. So I think they'll be taking a shot down that left side early, and, and Sims at $26, I think, is a really attractive option for first try scorer. Yeah, okay. That's a great, great bunch of good value, long-priced winners that I could see for the weekend. And, and, and for the summary of that and more, go to the uh, mailbag.com.au to get, get the Pope's, Pope's script. Um, we weren't going to touch too much on this upcoming week of NRL uh, because of the, uh, the the worries and the questioning around some of the um, players and who they're going to play or not. I see there was a bit of a different strategy for some of the teams when they, they were named tonight. I see Penrith named all their stars as reserves, but then some of the other teams named them in the team. What's what's the go with the different strategies there? It's unusual. I can only think they're probably playing a few games, Penrith, or... Maybe they just want to practice. Maybe it helps them mentally that they picked the team that went through last week and it helps them on the training paddock this week. But from a betting perspective, for one, you keep your eye on the game tomorrow night. So if there's anything that looks like injuries, it's worth sort of, I guess, being wary of it to look at the NRL games for that week. And also in the air or so post-match, that's often get a little bit of an update on whether players will play NRL. But... The overall strategy, there's some value on the outside. Is like, if I look at the first game of the weekend, Manly v North Queensland, like, if Tommy doesn't back up, that price is going to be very different. And with his injury troubles, he has to be in real doubt despite being named. So I'd be looking at the Cowboys at that price at the moment. It's, it's worth a double in the head-to-head and probably be a line. And you'd think... You'd think Turbo's got to be in least in some doubt, so there's upside in, in that price, and I'd be keeping an eye on the news. But, yeah, there's, there's a couple of prices there, and New, North Queensland being one, I think it's worth on the 340, 350 now and just taking a punt there, and you've you've got the upside of if he doesn't play. And I did notice, again, it's another 
really lopsided round of NRL. I think all the favourites coming to six dollars again. And I was I was asking you earlier on today whether you could find out what's the average price of a favourite being in NRL this year because I feel like it's been we've touched on it, but it's been a lot different to previous seasons. Yeah, and, and I was stunned when I did look into this. It's a dollar thirty. The average price of favourites in NRL. I, I didn't think it'd be that short. So um, amazingly short price, isn't it? Dollar thirty is, as you know, logical one. You've sort of been around the industry a long time. So dollar thirty in the average AFL price this year has been around about that dollar forty-eight, dollar fifty range. NRL back three or four years ago used to be a dollar fifty-seven. The average price. The game is there's just the gap is widened and enormously, and that's that's stunning um, to be down to a dollar thirty average price. Yeah, yeah, it's phenomenal when you look at it. Um, we, we've touched on, we might just be going through a perfect storm at the moment, the rule changes and just the disparity in the competition leading into that. But it's in a salary cap era, it's amazing to see that you regularly have prices prices like that on the on the fire. It's, it's um, quite an interesting state of affairs. And just before we sign off, Pope, the one other thing I wanted to speak to you about was Penrith. They got beaten last week without their stars in the team. And we no one really knew how they were going to go without those big stars. And the Storm have been able to cover, the, cover their stars being out. Do the, do the Storm have better depth than Penrith? Or is, is, is there a problem at Penrith when they don't have these players? I think there is after last week. The Storm do have better depth after seeing that. What guys who have sort of plugged into roles at Penrith also have to take on a more dominant um, position or more be more active in the team and play a bit more of a and they couldn't do it. They um they sort of got exposed to be bit bit players, fringe first graders, which I thought when you plug them into a system that's so effective and around really good players, you probably think they're a bit better than what they are. So yeah, Storm definitely had the better depth. What they've done this season without a lot of their better players week in, week out, they've, they've sort of got them covered in in terms of overall depth and it, it probably makes it a bit interesting if there's injuries, if Penrith do have some injuries and especially out this origin period where Penrith are going to be likely to be resting the origin players in certain weeks, logical one. It, it probably makes it a bit more of an interesting competition what this might look like in the next four to six weeks. We, we'll probably have a bit of a different view of Penrith, I think, at the end of origin. So I've just pulled up the minor premiership prices there and I see that Storm are 380 for the minor premiership. I think they're only one game behind Penrith and they're going to be affected in three or four games at Penrith Stars. Do you see that there's probably a bet on the Storm or, or do you still think it's going to be hard to get across Penrith? No, I think that's a bet. The odds, they're only, they're only one win behind me on some percentage. And so there's probably going to be at least one game where Penrith do rest the bulk of their players again and that's going to make, make it a 50-50 proposition roughly for that game. So I think it, it is a really attractive bet. We're showing Melbourne can... Melbourne have shown they can play without their stars, so they're probably less affected in in some respects over this period. So that that price is is quite attractive and worth investing in. I think at, at this point in time. Okay, that's that's a great chat, Pope. We have found a heap of value this week. Thanks for joining us again, and uh, we might get uh, the mug to sign us off this week. Well, boys, as we always say, gamble responsibly, but more importantly, gamble to win.